Well, welcome, friends. Welcome back to the Practice Makes Faithful podcast. Today, we are in season one, episode 13 of our podcast, and we are ready to turn the corner. We're hopping into a new series. So today, I am, well, not today. I'm Ben Patterson every day, uh, and I'm joined today by Paul Hugobart, our lead minister. That's right. That's right. For Unlucky 13, so something could yeah. go wrong today, and we're just kind of waiting <laughs> for it. Uh, oh, so superstitious that. to start, our, know, start the episode. So it's baseball. Baseball started, and so all the superstitions come back pretty quickly. So <laughs> yeah. That's an unfortunate yeah. thing. Yeah. I noticed that. It's a weird thing. In like a game, a lot of superstition comes out. Oh, my goodness. I find this in dice games. Whenever yeah. you're rolling dice, people get very superstitious. But isn't dice just random chance? Dice is of the devil. They think like if you say something, it's a special rule. I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about right now. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> this is a podcast called Practice Makes Faithful. Uh, we kind of dive into some of our messages here at Grace Chapel. And this week... We are in this new series called Sent. We're starting off Sent, Commissioned to Go into the World. So it kind of gives you a little preview of what we're going yes. into there. Um, for us this week, we're filming on a different day. It is actually, it's uh, Sunday afternoon. It we is Sunday. We usually film on Mondays. We do. But uh, today it's spring break. Yes. So Paul, you're going out of town yeah. for spring break, right? Yeah, we're heading out of town. We're going to be uh, gone at the beach for a little bit. It's not quite summertime yet, but it's nice to be at the beach. It's also where my parents live. Bring so. out fisherman, Paul. Uh, the, the fishing hat is definitely going to come out yeah. this week. Hopefully That's we good. catch some That's fish, good. eat some fish for dinner. So excited about that. Yeah, it'll be a party. Definitely Sounds like a good so. time. Definitely so. I do not have a spring break because I am in college and I That's don't right. get a spring break. But uh, it does get a little lighter for work around here. Everyone's out of town, so it's nice. Yeah. It'll be yeah. a good week. It'll be a good week. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be a good time. But for now, let's go ahead and dive into this series, Scent. So, Paul, give us a little bit of a snapshot about what this series is going to be all about. Uh, Scent, Commission to Go into the World. Yeah, so, um, so really when you look at Jesus' understanding of his mission, of course we have one mission statement, you know, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. But you also very much have this understanding that, that Jesus came on mission to help move others into mission. And we see that, and we'll, we'll actually, in the third week of the series, we'll be in John 17. That'll actually be out of Easter week. We'll okay. be in that a little bit. And you can see that, you know, as he was sent into the world, he's sending others into the world now. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea of commissioning, calling others into mission um, so that they could go do what, what he was doing. So that really is kind of where we'll be. I mean, that's the preview, I think, in a nutshell for, uh, for what we're doing this month. There's a powerful thing in being commissioned. I mean, truly, a very powerful thing in being commissioned. Yeah. Having the one that you've been following, and that's what Jesus did, you know, as, right as he's ready to ascend into heaven. We talked about that last week on the podcast in kind of a different, uh, in, in a different context, in a different light, as we are still talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus promising, um, as he's commissioning these guys, he's going to be with them always. As he's commissioning mm -hmm. us, he's, he'll be with us always as well. Um, but what we didn't talk about there is, is how powerful it is to be mm -hmm. given a mission Go and do yeah. this. I'm calling you into this. And so really that's what this whole series is about. And just to kind of give everything away uh, a little bit at the front <laughs> is that we're all commissioned. Everyone spoiler else. alert. <laughs> yeah, I know. Spoiler alert. Um, but I think, you know, even with the spoiler, and sometimes it's kind of good to show your hand up front yeah. or show all of your yeah. dice up front, I guess, if you want to go that direction with it. It's good to show your hand up front and say, here's where we're going. And it doesn't take away the power of what we're going to do and, how, and, and the journey as we go there as well. I think all of that is there, especially as we read through these stories, as we see that uh, the story of the first disciples in many ways is our story as well. And certainly um, 
we'll talk about where we went this morning, uh, or I say this morning, yeah, it is this morning for us, uh, where we are this week, um, there's, there's a power in identifying with the first disciples um, in our day and age as well in the way that Jesus moved them through this process to which they would be sent. So that's yeah. the thing. He didn't start off by yeah. sending them. There were a number of things that came well before the sending piece. And so that's that's where we'll be this month, looking at good. how do we get to this place where we're that's sent, good. where we're commissioned to, to go into the world. Okay, so what, what comes first? <laughs> okay, well, uh, what comes first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, was, what was this week's message about, if you say, a couple elements to this mm -hmm. being sent? Like what? Yeah, tell us so, how we started. Uh, this, this week we talked about this idea of being called and chosen. Okay. And the yep. significance of being called and chosen. I shared at the beginning of the message just kind of a little personal story for me. Um, I was a year younger than most of my classmates. So I, I grew up in Belgium. We start kindergarten a little bit earlier there. And so when I came to the States, I was a fourth grader. I was proficient at fourth grade level, but I was younger than all the fourth graders because the birthday cutoff date is a little bit uh, lower. Just to put things into perspective, I started my senior year in high school at 16. So I didn't turn 17 until November of my senior year. So I share that to say uh, for a number of reasons, that, that's one of them, but also I, didn't, I hit my growth spurt later than what, uh, what a lot of other of the, the boys around me uh, were doing. And so um, I was, man, I was small. So going into my freshman year of high school, I was five foot one and I can remember this is imprinted on my mind uh, almost as a traumatic experience because I can remember what we were doing. We're walking into that gym and I see what's going on here. They're measuring us and they're taking our weight. And I'm standing there thinking, great. I'm the smallest kid here and everybody <laughs> now is gonna know you know, how small I am. And I, you know, it was something, honestly, I was somewhat embarrassed by. Yep. And I was embarrassed by it because um, I was, there were always these reminders of how small I was, you know, mm -hmm. on the playground out there, um, you know, when you, you know, you're dividing into captains and who do you pick as the captains? It's the two biggest, most athletic guys. And then they start choosing teams. And I'm watching this guy get chosen and that guy get chosen and that guy get chosen and that guy get chosen. And I'm standing there just kind of feeling like, okay, when am I going to get chosen? Mm -hmm. And it's down to me and the other guy that's left. And you know, in that moment, you're wondering, okay, am I at least not going to be chosen last? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I was chosen last and sometimes I was chosen second to last, but it was oftentimes a lot that until I hit my growth spurt in high school and I had this kind of really awkward, fast growth spurt to where I went from being um, at the beginning of my freshman year, five foot one, to where somewhere toward the end of my sophomore year being about five foot ten. So really fast growth spurt, mm -hmm. nine inches mm -hmm. in, uh, in less than two years, um, which, which had, you know, which was awkward for many different reasons. You know, I, I was like, you know, somebody just grabbed a hold of me and stretched me out basically. <laughs> um, but, you know, I do remember in that, um, toward the end of my sophomore year, one of the first times that I was one of the ones chosen first. So mm -hmm. as I got taller, I became good at some of the sports where height comes in. And so vol we were playing volleyball in gym one day and my friend Dennis, looking out at this crowd of us, figuring out who's he gonna choose first, says, I'll take Paul. Mm -hmm. I can remember that moment and just how that felt to be chosen. You know, it's interesting. So there's this traumatic experience almost to some degree that goes along with not being chosen. There is also this incredibly validating experience that mm -hmm. went along with mm -hmm. that first moment that I was chosen early and I felt what it was like to be chosen. And yeah. so psychologically, 
um, there's a really, really powerful thing, uh, you know, as it relates to being chosen. Even as we think about, you know, just real quick, so, you know, I've got this background in counseling. You're working on, uh, on a counseling degree as well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I know we enjoy this kind of conversation. Hopefully <laughs> others listening do as well. But yeah. even as you think about, um, and, and Maslow's hierarchy of needs is kind of being reshuffled at times and redone at times, but his, in his original hierarchy of needs, you have this, okay, this first at the bottom, the base level is this idea of safety, mm-hmm. right? I need to be safe. Um, so fear, anxiety, and other things that go along with that, so the emotional responses that come. But then the second, um, many will phrase this way at times, is this need to belong. Mm-hmm. You know, so just mm-hmm. one up from the bottom is this, I need to belong, so I need to be loved, I need to belong, I need to have a place that I fit in, I need purpose, meaning, value, all these things that come along with belonging. And so in that moment where I was chosen early, first, whatever you want to say about it, there was this moment again of validation, I belong, yeah. right? So yeah. I had this chosen experience. Well, that, that's what we started with, this idea of looking at the, the story out of Luke 6 where Jesus who's been ministering for some time already, uh, has this moment where he looks out in a crowd of those who've been following. Some of them he's already called to follow him. So he said, follow me. You know, mm-hmm. So we knew, uh, you know, we see the stories out of some of the other gospels where Peter, Andrew, James, and John were called. We see Matthew being called. We see Nathaniel being called early on as well. You know, Come follow me, come see what I'm all about, that kind of thing. So we see these guys being called to follow Jesus. But then we see this moment in Luke's gospel where he looks at the crowd and out of those that he's already called to follow, he actually now chooses 12 for a very specific purpose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I asked the question, you know, what, what would have been like to, to be one of those guys that Jesus in that moment chose as he's calling them by name, Peter, mm-hmm. I choose you. Mm-hmm. You know, Simon, the zealot, I choose you. Matthew, the tax collector, I choose you. James, you know, we got James the lesser, James the greater, you know, so one of them was taller, one of them was shorter. Hey, short James, <laughs> you know, yeah. is there a short James? Short James gets chosen too. And then tall James, tall James gets chosen. We don't know uh, which one of them he chose first. And plus he wasn't choosing them to come be part of his basketball team. He was calling them to be <laughs> apostles. But, you know, short James and tall James, both chosen. Um, you know, and so we see this handful, this 12, even, you know, Judas, Judas who would betray him, being chosen. So they're all chosen to come be a part of this experience where now they're and more apostles as well. I in, really among that. loved something that you did in that of just ask, their, ask the audience just to close your eyes and kind of just yeah. imagine that. Imagine the feeling of Jesus calling you yes. by name in that moment. And we all, yes. we all know what that's like. It, like your example of for the, the old mm-hmm. sports ball team being chosen yeah. on to. But we all know what it's like to be accepted, to be chosen into a group of yes. people that feel you've been, you've been, right. you belong here, right? And to have Jesus call you with that is pretty powerful. Yeah, real quick too, I'll say, you know, if the sports illustration doesn't work for you, you know, imagine what it's like to submit your resume knowing that a hundred other people are applying for this job. Imagine how that feels. And then to go through the interview process, the waiting, and all of a sudden you receive that call yeah. that says, you're the one. Yeah. You're the one we want for this job. Yeah. You're the one we want to, I mean, so where, whatever it is that, yeah. that, that yeah. for you takes you to that place where you can experience this moment of what it feels like to be chosen, yeah. that then allows you to almost project yourself into this Luke 6 story 
um, to where now you are chosen. Um, and so, you know, that's, um, that's a really powerful idea. And yes, for us to sit and imagine. Now, I did talk about this tension that some probably would feel sitting in the audience, even as we're walking through that experience, imagine what it would have felt like to be chosen that there probably were some, because I kind of have wrestled through this as well, you know, okay, yeah, but that's what Jesus did for those 12 guys. Why are you having me imagine this moment um, of being selected like those 12 guys were chosen? Mm -hmm. Does that really apply to me? Mm -hmm. Does that really apply to me? So what we did, what we spent yeah. the rest of our time doing this Sunday morning in the message was actually walking through I don't know, probably close to a dozen scriptures out of a wealth of scriptures. And we just looked at the ones in the New Testament that talk about the fact that we as Christ followers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have been called and have been chosen. No matter who you are, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been called and chosen. God called your name out of the crowd. He said, come follow me. I call you, mm -hmm. I choose you. And so, you know, I think that's really powerful for all of us. So, you know, as we have that in mind that yes, God called and chose me and we'll probably we'll talk through some of those scriptures as well as we yeah. go further, but God yeah. called and choose, chose me. Then it takes that moment. And I, I, I walked through this several times this week, Ben, and, and a couple of times was, it was a very emotional experience knowing that God has called and chosen me. The New Testament authors, Paul, Peter, others talk about that over and over and over again. We're called and chosen. Um, as I then take myself and I now try to imagine what it would have like, what it would have been like to be one of those first disciples called and chosen by Jesus, called by name, Peter, James, Andrew, John, Matthew, Bartholomew, come follow me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm calling you, I'm choosing mm -hmm. you. When I put myself in that place and I hear Jesus say, Paul, I choose you. Man, it, like I said, it's, it's been an emotional experience several times this week imagining that. But again, so look, the New Testament offers would say that's us as well. Yeah. So I mean, let's mm -hmm. let's talk about that maybe a little bit more. Okay. Of like, do you think is that fair to put yourself into that story yeah. of Jesus calling his disciples? And I mean, there's there's a lot that huh, I, yes. the idea of being called, being chosen opens up a whole can of worms to yes. some extent, theologically speaking. Sure. Of, there's a lot of questions of Calvinism, of predestination, of yeah. some of these theological ideas some of y'all might be familiar with. Maybe you're having those questions as we get into that. And we're going to talk about more mm -hmm. of those as we go forward. But let me just first ask you about the, the narrative example, the story of Jesus yeah. calling his apostles. Can we place ourselves in that story because I could feel some people might have a little bit of pushback on that to think well okay yeah that's Jesus calling Peter he's calling yes. these guys but that wasn't me that wasn't Paul Hugobart that he was calling yeah. in that moment so is it fair yeah. to place ourselves in this in that story yeah so um, you know the words that Luke uses you know he called his disciples to him and then he chose 12 out of that well one of those was Peter okay so Peter was one of those guys and Peter writes uh, you know, some New Testament letters, one of those we call First Peter. It's the first of these letters that we have preserved out of uh, what Peter wrote. And, and he says in First Peter 2.9, writing to those who would read this letter and then to us as well, you know, as we read this letter then later, you know, nearly 2,000 years down the road, Peter, who was chosen by Jesus, turns around and says this in First Peter 2.9. He says, but you are a chosen people. 
using the same mm -hmm. language, the same words. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who, now uses the word called, called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Okay, so Peter uses the, both, both the words chosen and called in this one short verse, you know, 1 Peter 2.9. Um, I also talked about, you know, the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who was not standing on that mountainside the day that Jesus came down off the mountain, finds his disciples, calls 12 out of there. So P Paul wasn't there. Peter was there, mm -hmm. but Paul wasn't there. So Paul, who was not there, says in 1 Corinthians 1, he, this is how he begins the 1 Corinthians letter. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, some may say, oh, yeah, yeah, but Paul had this, uh, you know, Damascus Road experience where mm -hmm. Jesus very specifically came to call him. Well, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Let's say, yes, Paul had that moment, and that's a big moment. You know, you can talk about the burning bush moment for Moses. You can talk about the, the Damascus Road mm -hmm. experience for Paul. These mm -hmm. are big moments, and we may say, well, not everybody had that. Well, listen then to what Paul turns around and says to the Corinthian church. He says, you know, so Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And he says, he's writing now with Sosthenes, which was another early Christ follower. He says, to the church of God in Corinth, mm -hmm. to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And so Paul, who was not called on the mountainside, was called on the Damascus road, is now turning to the Corinthian Christians and telling them, just as I am called, you're also called. Okay, so we've got two instances right there. Um, you know, I've got one more that I'll share just because I think it is so, 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 so powerful. Um, it's, uh, it comes out of uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 5. Paul says, we always thank God for all of you continue and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by your faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in uh, the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this right here. He says, for we know. So Paul is, Paul is using this word know. Uh, it is an absolute term. It's not we think, we believe, we hope. It's we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. So the Holy Spirit came and obviously showed that God had chosen them. Then by their deeply convicted response, they show and they confirm as well, God chose us. You know, so, so it is um, a God choosing, them responding and choosing God in return, showing, yes, this choosing, this calling is very much there. It's very real. And so, you know, I think we see over and over and over again that it wasn't just those who were standing on the mountainside with Jesus that day yeah, that yeah. were called. And in fact, we'll talk about this a little bit next week, those 12 were called because I think what Jesus hoped they would do is they would be catalytic in the way they would lead uh, in the early days of Jesus' ministry. So Jesus has this group of larger disciples. He shrinks the group of disciples or shrinks the group of the called down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then what we'll see even next week is Jesus starts expanding the circle. So he shrinks mm -hmm. the circle mm -hmm. down only to go back and expand the circle not to narrow it, but to actually, okay, Jesus was here in the body. How many people could he work with and be really in close relationship with? Only a few. Mm -hmm. But even in that, he's working to expand the circle of those who would be called, chosen, and then sent throughout his entire ministry. We'll see more mm -hmm. about that as we, as we walk through this series. But, you know, that, that's why I would say it is very valid for us if it was only... If we only saw those words called and chosen 
in that Luke 6 account, then I would say that's for those disciples. We can't project ourselves into that story. We should be careful to do that. Um, but because we see throughout many of the New Testament writings the same idea yeah. of being chosen and called for us, no, that's, that's good. then I think we can and I think we should. Yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with you on that. just want to challenge that to kind of yeah. nuance it a little Fair bit, enough. but I would wholeheartedly agree with that and think that's such a... Such a powerful way to even maybe a step this week is just to go through and to read that. Just Absolutely. read that story slowly, meditatively. Place yourself in that story yep. as you're going through that. And that's, that's, that's really good. That's really I good. Agree. So, all right. So, another thing I kind of want to talk about is in the message on Sunday, or on Sunday you kind of presented a few questions that I think were interesting. I'd love us to walk through a little bit. You had four questions that yeah. you presented. Yeah. Um, let's let's take a look at those, and uh, why don't you just tell us what those are, and then uh, let's chat about that a little bit more. Yeah. So those four questions, all four of them, really the first and the three that kind of stem from that first, were really geared at, at, at trying to help us imagine, because again, I think there's power in that. What it would be like. What it would ha What would it have been like to to be called and chosen by Jesus? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So after we came through that Luke six experience, that was the first question. Was just to you know to think through that. What would it have been like to be chosen by Jesus? Yeah. To be standing in that crowd and to hear your name called. Yeah. But then out of that, you know, we already talked about you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs and and kind of the psychological significance. Uh, you know, for us to feel like we're chosen or that we belong as human beings. The second one was, would the disciples, those disciples that were chosen by Jesus, would they have found a new sense of belonging? Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, we, we all have these circles, these spheres that we feel like we fit into or that we belong to. So, you know, I've, I've had different times in my life where I felt like my prime circle, my prime sphere of belonging is with this group of people, or then it's with this group of people, or later with this group of people. You know, as we think about the way that uh, developmentally, and, and won't dig too deep into the weeds on, on developmental psychology, but, you know, we talk about, you know, who does a child identify with in the younger years? Well, it's with family. As children start to move into those middle school years, who do they start to, to identify with and feel like they really belong? Where's their group of belonging? Well, it then becomes friends. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. they start to measure themselves not by their family anymore, but by their friends. You know, later in life, they start to measure themselves maybe by, you know, the, the one person they identify with that could become a spouse or best friends that are really close. So it's not as broad a circle. The circle narrows again. Um, and if it is a spouse, then maybe then it becomes family again later on now as you have your own children. But it could be a sphere of co-workers. It could be a sphere of friends. If you belong to a team or a club, it could be here's, here are the people that I belong and I'm rooted with. And so here's where my identity is found. Well, for some of these disciples, you know, for Peter, Andrew, James, and John, it would have been fishing. We're, we're fishermen. That, this is how we make our living. So we're part of this group, which, um, you know, some early uh, first century historians would have actually said that, that there were probably guilds even. You know, you had the Fisherman's Guild, and mm -hmm. then you may have had uh, the Carpenter's Guild. So like a union? These, yeah, kind of like unions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So yeah. you would have these guilds, but it was more about um, 
uh, regulating each other and not betraying each other in yeah. a sense. You yeah. actually see that uh, in, in one of the episodes of The Chosen. They try to expand upon mm -hmm. that with mm -hmm. the, you know, you had, so Peter was trying to undercut the deals. Uh, Shout out to The Chosen, the referencing the TV show, yeah. uh, series about the life of Jesus. Check it out. Good, good show, good show. A lot of speculation in there, but you can see what they do yeah. is they bring in historical Historical context, fiction. And that's yeah. exactly what, what they are doing there. And so, you know, even in that, you see more the circles, the spheres that they would have identified with. And Matthew is a tax collector. I mean, you know, he would his sphere um, that he chose would have have isolated him big time from others. Even so, Matthew mm -hmm. was a tax collector, and we see sometimes you know tax collectors and sinners being lumped together then mm -hmm. as well. And so mm -hmm. we all have this group of people that often we feel like we identify with. And so for, you know, kids as they're developing through middle school, they may sometimes identify with the athletes or they identify with the musicians and the ones that play in the band. And sometimes they identify with, you know, um, the, you've got the smart ones and then you've got the ones that aren't as, you know, desirous about academic, uh, you know, engagement and other things like that. And so we find these circles of belonging. And mm -hmm. so I think it's really important to, to allow ourselves to kind of understand that as a um, kind of, I think, a reality of, of human nature so that we can then ask this question, what would, this, would the disciples have found a new sense of belonging? So whatever group they had identified with before, now we're disciples of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now we belong to Jesus. Why? Because they'd been called and chosen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was that moment of calling and choosing that would have moved them to this place where now they would have had to ask a whole new question about where do I belong? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's my circle? You know, then take that a step further, you know, ask the question, would, would the disciples have found a, a new sense of purpose? You know, the answer to that would be, yeah. I mean, we, that we would imagine they would have, right? Mm -hmm. Do you imagine the mm -hmm. disciples would have found a new sense of purpose? Well, whatever they yeah. had been doing, and we even see that in, in the calling. Their careers, That's right, I mean, yeah. change their yeah. careers. So the calling of you know, these fishermen, where Jesus says in Matthew 4.19, come follow me yeah. and I will make you yeah. fishers of men. So I'm going to give you a whole new purpose mm -hmm. in what you're doing. Now, that probably would have, uh, that, that calling in Matthew 4 probably preceded almost certainly preceded this calling, this next level of calling in Luke 6. So they would have been following Jesus because Jesus would have already called them to follow him. But this was almost, this moment of choosing was almost a moment of appointing, anointing, a whole new level of calling for these guys. So would they have found a new sense of purpose? Of course. Mm -hmm. And then the last question I asked was this, would the disciples have been challenged to reconsider the value or maybe even the meaning of their own lives. So mm -hmm. what is the value of my life? How can I make the largest impact? Um, what does my influence look like? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's even that sometimes we, we boil it down to this, you know, what, what, what would my legacy be? Yeah. Or we ask that question um, when we think about, uh, you know, we think about it sometimes at, funerals when somebody we know yeah. and love has passed and, and somebody will say you know you've got the day you were born and the day you die and then there's the dash in between what do you do with your dash mm -hmm. you know when that question is asked that way mm -hmm. so you have really you've got that question what is the value of your life mm -hmm. what's the meaning it goes back to the purpose question as well and so for those young men to have been chosen by Jesus that day it had to radically 
redefine yeah. Yeah. their sense of belonging, their sense of purpose, and I think challenge them to reconsider the value so of their own lives. Just to slightly rephrase those four questions, to change that from a question, is sure. you'd say, so from being chosen, yeah. that the disciples had a new sense of belonging, yes. they had a new sense of purpose, and it changed the value of their lives, or at least changed the way that they viewed the value yes. of their lives. Yes. Um, and yep. I think maybe we could say, by extension, those would all be true for us. Is yep. that if we are called, if we are, if we can place ourselves in that story, if we see through Scripture that we are called, that we are chosen, yes. that that should give us a new sense of belonging. Yep. That should give us a new purpose, right? That should give us a. It should change the way we see or the value of yes. our lives. Yes, and I think Is with that, that last one, just in case anybody is unclear. You know, I think sometimes it helps us when we take a step back and we ask the question, what is my life worth? Or what would I give my life for? Yeah. In a sense. And it's not just the question of what would I give my life for? Even sometimes better said is what would I live my life for and in the process spend my days for? Mm -hmm. We can spend our days chasing mm -hmm. after lots of things that don't really matter. But if we want our life to have deep value, we're going to chase after the things in life that really, truly matter. That's how mm -hmm. we expand mm -hmm. uh, kind of our, our circle of influence, our sphere of influence, is by chasing after the things that really matter, giving our lives for the things that really matter. And so, yes, yeah. those so there's disciples... There's like two levels to... There's, mm -hmm. a, there's a basic value yes. to human life to that human we would life. say That's exactly everyone right. That's right. has that is yes. there. But there's maybe a... With the realization of being called, being chosen, there's a new realization it of... It changes the way we think about it. Yeah, it does. That's yep. exactly that's right. Good. That's good. That's, that's good. That's exactly right. Okay. So this is all good. This is helpful. This is uh, like great, beautiful stuff. But I think this also presents a lot of questions. When we start talking about being called, being chosen... So I see this crazy like, look in your eyes. There are, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of theological questions yeah. that this presents. I mean, we're talking things that have divided yep. churches for centuries that are just like, I mean, like big big things here. Yeah, when we I talk agree. about maybe like uh, we could throw out the words Calvinism of yep. Arminianism of uh, yep. we can... Like, so what does it mean to be called, to be to be chosen? What, what are we talking about here? And I don't know, maybe to help for anyone who's not got, not familiar with these concepts or like where, where I'm going with this, there's kind of this idea of like, yes. okay, so when, uh, when we are saved, who is, are we choosing God or is God choosing right. us? Maybe that's a simple way to like, you know, take out the Calvinism, Arminianism. We'll take the, mm -hmm. put those words aside and just say like, Oh, when we're saved, is God choosing us or are we choosing God? <laughs> yeah, it's an excellent, excellent question. Um, I, I, think, um, I think if we read Scripture in its entirety, you know, as it relates to the question of Arminianism, and then you've got actually Molinism in between that, and then you've got Calvinism. So, I mean, yeah, we could dig really deeply into the weeds, and, and some folks are probably listening to saying, I have no clue what any of those isms are. You may be better for you it. You may honestly. be better off, yeah. <laughs> um, what we're really saying is this. Um, how deep does the choosing of God go? Um, it, what is the spectrum of our free will response to God, to God's choosing us in the sense that we actually don't have free will, we're compelled 
to just respond to the choosing of God. We actually yeah. don't have free will in that. And there's a real yes. spectrum of thought That's in between that. And even <laughs> honestly with Calvinism, we can talk about soft Calvinism or we can talk about yes. hyper-Calvinism. When it comes to predestination, we can talk about predestination and actually double predestination. And then yep. we get into the thinking about total determinism and other things like that, which by the way, um, Christians aren't the only ones to struggle with the idea of determinism. Um, in fact, you have um, those who would be uh, sometimes hypernaturalists who are atheists in their thinking who also are determinists. And so it's not I think just this is where people are starting to use the 15 second skip button yeah, in the podcast. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so let's come back down to a real practical level in this thing. Um, and let's just talk about kind of the choosing of God and our choosing. So God choosing us and us choosing God. Yes. So I think we have to allow for both to be real yep. and both to be true. I think we have to say that there are sometimes God in his sovereignty, there, there are times when God in his sovereignty um, determines that a specific thing will happen because he's God and he can do that if he yeah. wants to. Yeah. He gets to. But that actually, seeing that expands my view of God and, and allows me to see him as truly sovereign, right? So I think that's a really yeah. good thing. Yeah. So. You know, we have conversation about, um, you know, God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Well, did God harden Pharaoh's heart or did Pharaoh harden his own heart? And we actually see both being represented in Scripture, that God (laughs) hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. We see times when we see very clearly Scripture saying that we were predestined. I mean, that passage from Ephesians 1, we were predestined, we were chosen, we were called by God. Um, Then we see times on the other side of that where we see very plainly our choosing of God and that being the moment of our calling too. And so I think we have to allow for both to happen. So there's God choosing, God wanting, God calling all of us. And there's one scripture that we'll touch on in just a minute that actually I think makes that really plain. Um, Before we do that, I I just want to, you know, I want to look at, I think, 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12, which I think sheds some light on this. So Paul is talking to his disciple Timothy, his young apprentice. And he's calling him, uh, you know, he's actually saying toward the, the end of uh, 1 Timothy, uh, this letter, you know, so into chapter 6, you know, he's pointing out, yeah, there are some who are living in very unrighteous ways. And then he says to Timothy, he says, but you, O man of God, flee from all of this and you pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Then he reminds him to fight the good fight of the faith. Then he says this. Take hold of the eternal life. So you do this. You choose to do this. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And then Paul actually says this, which makes, which really kind of, you know, throws a a whole um, kind of can of worms into the the Calvinist thought box sometimes. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Mm So, you know, if we were to go hyper-Calvinist with this, we would say, no, well, Timothy was called way before any of that. If we were to go completely Arminian, we'd say, no, it was actually in that moment that Timothy responded that he was called. That was the, the, the kind of the moment of his calling. Um, and I think to some degree, there's truth in both. You know, again, sometimes God in his sovereignty acts and predetermines that some things will happen. Yeah. God used nations uh, in his judgment of both the northern and the southern kingdom of Israel, he used these nations. Well, did God make that happen? Did God just allow that to happen? All of that, those are questions I think we ought to wrestle with. But I think if we put God in either fully either in the, the Calvinist box or fully either in, in the Arminian box, we actually minimize God. We take away some of yeah. the sovereignty. Yeah. So it's, we do that because it's, it's easier for us to understand God 
but actually it takes away from God mm. anytime we put God in any box. And so That's I think really we good. shouldn't put God That's in really any good. box. Uh, so let me, let me ask you, do you think it's fair to say that, um, so I mean, like, yeah, we don't, don't put God in one of those yeah. boxes. I, I think of, um, I, I'm thinking of Peter's story, mm-hmm. the story where we see Peter being called, where mm-hmm. um, Jesus is calling him out, hey, come and follow me, make a fisher of men. And we might ask in that story, well, did Jesus, did God call Peter or did Peter, was he, was Peter um, called by God or did Peter choose him? Did Peter choose to follow Jesus or yeah. did Jesus make Peter follow? And I mean, I think you see a level of both yes, of those things both. are happening. Yeah. Jesus is calling him first, right? And there is this right. call to come and follow me, but then Peter sure. is accepting that mm-hmm. call. So did God choose Peter or did Peter choose God? And maybe we'd have to say yes. Um, to some extent, I, it I seems like true. there's a level of both of those things that are happening. And I really like how you're laying this out that God is sovereign and sometimes does work in special ways in using a person of calling a person. I mean, you see this in the story of Pharaoh that Paul, Paul talks about this in Romans mm-hmm. chapter 9. You see where God mm-hmm. uses Pharaoh in a special way yes. of he hardens Pharaoh's heart, and there are these instances where God intervenes in his sovereignty. But yes. it seems like in all of our stories of being called, there is this dimension where God is choosing you yeah. and where we are choosing him. Yes. And both of those things are going together. I agree. I agree. I, I think, again, the reason, we, the reason we try to put God in one of those boxes is so that we can try to neatly understand the nature of God. Yeah. Which I understand that pursuit. And I, and I think it's, it's a healthy and worthwhile pursuit to some degree. We ought to be puzzling these things out. But we've also got to be okay when God acts outside of the box we thought he ought mm. to fit in because that's what yeah. it means to be God. He gets yeah. to act outside that's of good. those boxes. So let me give you one more scripture like that. that I think really maybe will bring this question of calling and choosing um, into uh, into focus a little bit more because I, you know you did talk to, talk about uh, maybe even the question about salvation to some or that's at least what comes, yes. comes into this right so well are some people called to, to, to not be saved mm-hmm. you know that's that's what we mean when we talk about double predestination mm-hmm. is that um, that God will actually choose some people to be saved but then beyond that he actually chooses some to be condemned to hell yeah right so boy, if that doesn't make you uncomfortable, right? You know, and and the reality is even talking with the most ardent Calvinists, um, I have watched them become very uncomfortable when thinking through the implications of that. And so, you know, Revelation 17... uh, And to be clear, you're not advocating for that. You're saying that's the view of double preestimation. Yeah, I'm I'm not advocating that that at all, um, in fact. So I I would say I profoundly disagree with that assertion. Yeah. that doesn't mean that God has not at times called specific people for very specific purposes. Mm-hmm. Again, the intervention with the Apostle Paul is pretty plain. Now, Paul probably could have still have, cho- could still have chosen against God in the Damascus Road Acts 9 experience. He could have decided to go the other way, I would, I would suppose. Uh, the, the way that Jesus revealed to him was, um, was so blinding, literally, you know, so mm-hmm. blinding that, uh, that almost it seems like, boy, it would have been hard to choose against that. But... So again, let me come to this passage, Revelation 17, 14, um, where, where this is what John, who writes Revelation, says. He says, They will wage against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. 
And then he says this, and with him, now he uses our two words right here, and with him will be his called, chosen, and then there's a modifier on the back of this, and faithful followers. Called, chosen, and faithful. So in this, we almost get this sense when we look at this passage in Revelation, are there those who are called and chosen, but then aren't faithful, don't respond in faithfulness? Mm -hmm. Would that mean that the circle of called and chosen is much larger than if we went maybe a hyper-Calvinist view to actually saying, no, the calling and the choosing extends. God chooses all of us. And there are actually a number of passages that really would almost seem to indicate that God has chosen all of us. I mean, this, this, you know, this one that comes out of uh, one of Peter's writings as well to say that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, yeah. but all to come to repentance would yeah. say that God has this hope that all of us will come to repentance, be chosen in that sense, and then be moved to faithfulness as well, which re repentance is kind of this precursor for faithfulness. So again, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. I think it's uh, really important for us to have that view um, as it relates to our own lives. Now, I don't remove in that any of the passages that we've already read, the emphasis of those passages that very plainly says we are called and chosen by God. And so all of us, in a sense, then have had this moment where we could have been standing on that mountainside and Jesus would have looked at us and said, I pick you. Mm -hmm. Come mm -hmm. follow me. Mm -hmm. So that, that, I think that's big. I, I don't know if maybe that is a way of kind of maybe putting a neat bow on, on the question of what does it mean to be called? What it means ultimately is that God picks you. God chose you. However we get to that place of choosing and calling, whatever the, the mm -hmm. complex mm -hmm. theology is behind that, God has chosen you. He has called you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a big thing. That's good. So one other aspect of this, and I'm going to get real, real personal here on this yeah. and say that I, man, I, I love this conversation and this really helpful. And there's a part of me that I, I want to be very mm -hmm. excited about the idea that God called and chose yes. me. And, but sometimes I have a hard time being excited about that. Mm. Um, and Sometimes I find myself when I'm reading those passages that I get concerned. I get even a little bit uncomfortable when I read that I'm called, yeah. that I'm chosen, because I think that, well, does that mean that my friend isn't? Like the fact that yeah. I'm called and maybe this is slipping into some uh, thinking of maybe to that double predestination kind right, of thinking right. at times. And there's this little bit of uncomfort at times when I read those passages and I want to just earnestly rejoice in that. But I feel this level of discomfort. Well, what does that say about my friend who isn't a follower of Jesus? Yeah. What does that say about all of those people? Does that say you're not called? So I guess I just wonder how would you how would you respond to that? So to yeah. to me, to someone else maybe who's listening, who is thinking, who feels similar at times, that how is it that I'm called and I see all those people out there that that are that, that don't seem to be accepting yes. it at least. So I wonder what you would reply to that. Yeah, again, I think I would come back to uh, to Peter's words and say that God plainly doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. Yeah. 
So that speaks of a, of a universal calling in a sense. I would go to even John 3.16, which so many people are you know, very familiar with those words that, that God so loved the world, mm-hmm. right? That he gave his one and only son that who, whosoever, right, whoever believes in yeah. him would not perish, but would have everlasting life, eternal life. And so um, those ten, tend to speak of a universal calling, not a limited atonement yeah. or a limited calling, which yeah. again is a place where people can get hung up pretty easily. And that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about mm-hmm. is almost limited atonement, which would mean that, um, that there's this belief that Jesus did not die for those who will not respond to the message because that's almost a wasted sacrifice. And so we can't have Jesus wasting his death on the cross. And the reality is, I think, even if only one of us would have responded, Jesus would have looked at that and said, well, my death wasn't a waste. I would trade my life for yours. My life for yours. That's what Jesus says in a sense. My life mm-hmm. for yours. Mm-hmm. My life for yours, one to one. My life for yours, one to one million. No. One to one yeah. billion. One to however many will respond. You know, it's whoever believes in him. The same thing again with, uh, you know, with Peter's words that, that uh, he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And again, maybe that, that first Timothy passage, um, you know, there, there is this moment of the, how, how, would, how, would, even, how would we say that? Maybe... Um, maybe the, the real solidification of that calling in that moment where we make the confession that we realize we have been called. And Paul says that happened for Timothy in the presence of many witnesses. So he's calling him back to that moment when he felt the call of God, when he responded, when he felt God choosing him and he then chose God in response. <laughs> so, you know, I would go to this place and say that there is this universal calling from my perspective, mm-hmm. from my best understanding mm-hmm. of Scripture mm-hmm. as it relates to salvation. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with Judas fully, to be honest, who betrayed Jesus. I don't know what to do with Pharaoh. I don't know what to do with some others in Scripture. And, and I think it's okay to say that, Ben. Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay. Again, I, I don't want to put God in a neat little box of my own making. Yeah. You know, uh, as, as C.S. Lewis talks about God in, in the, the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and, and mm-hmm. lion, witch, and wardrobe, wardrobe, right? Lion, witch, and the wardrobe. Talking about Aslan, he says he is not a tame lion. Yeah. Right? Aslan is this representation of God in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, why do we try to make a tame lion out of God? Why do mm-hmm. we try to put him in these neat boxes? Well, it's for us. It's not for God. Yeah. But the trouble with that is sometimes we limit God. Well, we don't. We limit our understanding of God the moment we put him in a box. God doesn't care about your box, I don't yeah. think. He's, you know, he's, he's going to do what he does anyway because yeah. he's God. But we limit our understanding of God the moment we put him in a box. And maybe we even limit our awe of God because mm. I am in awe of the God who can predestine some things to happen. Yeah. And I am also in awe of the God who's willing to give and allow for free will. Mm. I'm in awe of God equally in both of those things. Maybe just to <laughs> close the loop on that, you you know, you reference Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and uh, boy, I love those books. Uh, There's this you, yeah. quote, there, and I think it comes from that same context where one of the one of the kids mm-hmm. is talking to the character Mr. Beaver, and yep. he responds. The kid asks, "Well, okay, if you say he's not a tame lion, like, is it?" 
is it safe, I'm paraphrasing, is it safe for us to yes. go and see safe? him? And Mr. Beaver's response is safe. Who said anything about safe? He's not safe, yeah. but he is good. But he is good. And I think when we come down on this conversation is that, yeah, we can't, we may not be able to fully understand all of that. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's not safe. He doesn't play by these set of rules, rules in any way, but he is good. Yes. And we can have absolute confidence that he is good. Yes. Like regardless of how much Agreed. we can understand it, how confusing it gets, is that he's good. And Amen we can rest that. on that. Amen to that. So as we bring this to a close, what how do we practice this this week? Practice makes faithful. Name our name our podcast. Yeah. How do we how do we practice this? Yeah, okay. And so I think the really big moment in uh, in this week's message, but also in the conversation that we're having here with this podcast, is the believing, the knowing. You know, Paul, again, the Apostle Paul says, we know you're choosing and calling, right? We know this to be true. Um, the reality is we need to know this to be true about ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. We need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we've been called and we've been chosen. Okay, so... One more tension I'm going to raise real quickly before we <laughs> kind of close out, round out the podcast. You know, we often talk, if we use the words calling and choosing in our day and age, it tends to be about people we think are specifically, you know, devastated. That's interesting. Designated. <laughs> Devastated for the vocation of ministry. <laughs> Designated for the, uh, the vocation of full-time ministry. Yeah. Sometimes, well, I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, uh, I, I probably would have to confess and say, when I realized that God was calling me into ministry, I was somewhat devastated at first. I didn't want to do it. I grew up in a ministry family. I, I didn't want to, to be a minister. In fact, I remember bar bargaining with God and saying, don't ask me to do this. Yeah. I, I will be a Christian and I will follow you, but don't ask me to be a full-time minister. Yeah, yeah. And then later when I worked in youth ministry, I remember uh, being in youth ministry and starting to feel kind of this next level of calling on my life personally that God was calling me to preach. And I remember saying, hey, wait a minute, we had a deal that when I was going to youth <laughs> ministry, you were never going to call me to preach. And, and again, God said, no, that was your box, not mine. Yeah. I'm not mm. tame, but I am good. I'm not safe, but I am good. And so, um, you know, so for me, it came in stages, um, but at every stage to feel called and chosen by God, whether it was for that first moment, come follow me. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing you to follow me. Or whether it was the next moment where God said, I'm choosing you for this purpose. I want you to do this. Uh, the next moment where God called me to preach and I pushed back on that. At every phase, to know and believe that that was God's calling and not just my desire, but his desire for me, um, man, I can't tell you what an impact that has made. So I think this is the one thing this week. Um, I believe that many of those who heard this week's message as it was preached, but that many of those who will be listening to this podcast as well will be questioning Am I truly calling, called? Am I truly chosen? Mm -hmm. Am I truly chosen? Am I truly called? Mm -hmm. Am I those things? So for you, a great thing would be to, to go do a quick search, you know, Bible Gateway, Google, whatever you, go to, go to your Bible app and type in the word chosen and just start reading some of these passages. Yeah. 
that speaks specifically to the chosenness of mm, God's people. That's good. That's a good step. Go and into your into your Bible app, type in the word called, and just start reading some of those passages about the deeply called nature of the people of God. Mm-hmm. Until you come to this place where you say, man, I have to believe that because of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you believe that you are called and chosen by God, it will change what you believe about where you belong and who you belong to. Mm-hmm. When you believe that you're called and chosen by God, it's going to give you a new purpose for life. Mm-hmm. And when you believe you're called and chosen by God, it's going to bring a whole new meaning and value to your story that was missing and absent before. I promise it will. Mm-hmm. When you really believe that, when you Love know that. that to be true. And here's the thing. If you don't believe that, there are going to be a, a, quite a few many more moments of tension throughout this series as well. If, if you don't believe you're called... The series title is Sent. If you don't believe you've been called and chosen, it's very hard to take the next giant leap to, I I then believe I'm sent. But if you believe that God has called and chosen you, it's just a short walk to the point where you realize that God has also sent you. Mm. So again, we have to set the foundation with the idea that we are called and chosen. Um, And and again, for, for you listening, watching at home, Spend some time walking through that. And maybe as you do that, do what I did this week. Go back several times and ask yourself that question. What would it have been like for me to be standing on that mountainside with Jesus and hear him call my name specifically? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because as we look at the wealth of New Testament passages that, called, that talk about our calling and our choosing, when we do that, we come to realize that, yes, Jesus spoke my name. Yeah. He called me. So just to, sim- to reset that mm-hmm. step, simple, practical practice you can try this week is mm-hmm. to use, maybe use one of those softwares, whatever your favorite one is, but we can link a couple of those. version sure. Bible yeah. app, Bible Gateway, Blue Letter Bible, whatever. Type in the word chosen, called, yeah. or, or you know, chosen and called specifically. Look yes. those up. Do a word search. Read those. Slowly read over that. Meditate on that yes. this week. Um, and we'll be back next week to dive in, to take another step, to go another layer deeper on this. That's but right. Because a great, great step, great spot to land the podcast this week. So mm-hmm. thank you, Paul. Thanks for sharing that. It's great, great encouragement. Really good conversation today. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, so we would invite you to tune in again next week, wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in, check out part two of Scent. Be following our sermon uh, messages as well. You can also get those on whatever your podcast app is of choice as well. It's the Grace Chapel, Grace yep. Chapel Church of Christ sermon audio. Um, so we'd love for you to tune in. Let us know what you think of this. Please feel free to comment on this on Facebook, wherever you're listening, or maybe even send us an email at practicemakesfaithful at gmail.com. Let us know how this podcast is going for you. So uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and encourage you to tune in again next time. Thank you all. Yeah, see you then. God bless.